Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Tulsi Gabbard speaks for many women and Democrats. We're going to be interviewing Kit Whitehill, president of the Texas Federation of Republican Women. She's in studio. Uh, Election 2022 is a battle for America and the MAGA agenda and relentless diligence on election fraud. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Tulsi Gabbard, who ran for president, as you likely recall, uh, in 2016 or 2020, wherever it was, uh, she's very well spoken. In fact, she's been given awards by conservative organizations. She made a big announcement today, and I want to play her announcement first, and then we'll talk about why she is divorcing the Democrat Party. Here's Tulsi Gabbard. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. That is Tulsi Gabbard. Honestly, I feel like I should say, and that's our show for today. She's so good. And she really, as you likely know, was a very, she was never a really hard leftist Democrat, but she was a strong Democrat. She ran the Democrat ticket for president. And she's finally saying what millions and millions of Americans are realizing as they watch our country literally go down the tubes under this current administration, watching the damage from open border, watching the damage to America's economy by the irrational, crazy spending, watching the foreign policy endanger America's citizens, watching the treatment of our military, turning it into a uh, boot camp for political wokeness. I mean, issue after issue after issue, we are watching America harmed and destroyed by the Democrat Party. And I'll tell you something else. I love what she said because she didn't just say, I'm taking my marbles and going home. Very articulate in laying out how extremist and how leftist today's Democrat Party is. And I really do urge you, if you're listening to this and you've kind of voted on both sides of the aisle or you don't really think you are very political, recognize you can vote 
to choose a future for America where there are going to be, there's going to be law and order, there's going to be a border, there's going to be a respect for capitalism and freedom and free markets and free speech, all the things we stand for, or you can vote for more of the same. But I'll make one other point, actually several other points. Uh, one is that what you, when you say, when you're at home, you're saying, well, I'm going to decide, you know, which member of Congress I'm going to choose, Democrat or Republican, to send to the U.S. House. Or if you have a senatorial election in your state, so you have, you're going to just choose who you're going to send to Washington to represent your state in the Senate. Understand, people go to Washington and they vote nearly 100 percent lockstep with their party leaders, especially on the Democrat side. It's a complaint among new Democrat members of Congress. They thought they'd get to go there and stand up for what they believe in or stand for, but they find they soon discover they cannot. Unfortunately, voting in Washington, especially on the Democrat side, is lockstep with how the leader tells them to vote. And therefore, even if you have a completely wonderful candidate running in your district, and he sure seems nice, and he's nice to his mother, end of the day is he is going to vote with the left. He's going to vote with Biden. He's going to vote with everything that Biden is doing. That's the first point. So consider that in this election cycle. Number two, consider the policies that the left is embracing in this country. Do you actually support any of them? Now, I'll tell you something I've mentioned before on this show, and I mention in speeches sometimes. I voted Democrat all the way through college and law school because I thought they were the party kind of being nice and helping poor people and trying to make things fair. I really did drink the Kool-Aid. I grew up in New York in my defense, but still, I voted Democrat all the way through college and law school until I started actually thinking actually reading, actually understanding the impact of all these nice-sounding policies the left inflicts on America. I really urge you at this crucial time, we're very, very, we're coming up on the midterm elections, we have a tremendous possibility of actually retaking the House, the conservatives, and retaking the Senate, or at least weakening the Democrats in the Senate. And this is a, a really noble time to think about what am I going to do? What's my vote going to count for? And speaking of voting, today is the last day in the great state of Texas. And at least I've quickly counted, it's like six or seven other states, last day to register to vote. Meaning if you don't, if you're not sure you're registered, today's the day to figure that out. And I will tell you, I used to laugh at people when I would hear the announcement, make sure you're registered. You don't want to show up on election day and discover you're not registered. I would think, how, how idiotic. I mean, how could you not know? happened to us, happened to my husband and me. We moved this last year from one county to another in the gray state of Texas. We went online, we changed our driver's license registration, so we got a new license with a new address, and on the form online it said, do you want to register to vote? We said yes, so we think we're registered. Fortunately for me, a friend, an elected official, sent out an email saying, you know, if you registered online, you really, you really can't do that in Texas. I don't know all the details, but all I know is we went online, checked. We were not registered. Fortunately, we caught it in time. We filled out the form. We walked down. Okay, we drove down to the Elections Department and handed it in. Please know, if there's any doubt in your mind at all, it takes about 30 seconds to check to see if you're really registered, and you will be so disappointed on Election Day if you discover you're not. Also, on our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links, I posted a link to an article that lists every single state and the deadline to register. In a very few states, the deadline to uh, register to vote has passed for this year. Most states it has not. But you can go online, you can find out right there what your deadline is and check your registration. Because I got to tell you folks, I know people have said this in every election since time began, but there couldn't be a more important election this year to stop the Democrat 
agenda and to stand up for America and for the identity of America. Now, I'm an equal opportunity critic. I'm happy sometimes to criticize Republicans if I think they deserve it, because this show is not really about defending one party or the other. It's about defending America, the identity of America, the unique greatness of America, and Texas, which is supposed to stand for, be the beacon of strength to other states in America, showing them what freedom looks like. But in today's political world, you can not ever expect a rational outcome from a Democrat majority on any issue. I'm not trying to tell you the Republican Party is perfect, but they are at least rooted in the concepts of America's founding. They're rooted in the promise of liberty. They're far more amenable to the arguments and persuasion of the American people to listen to their, to stand up for them, to stand up for freedom, to stand up for strong borders, to stand up for limited government. Uh, all the things that all of us want. We want our freedom back. We want our country back. There's only one choice in this election cycle at this time, and that is to vote on the Republican ticket. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So we have in studio a friend of mine joining us. She is the president of the Texas Federation of Republican Women. And while I was doing my first five, and I said that I voted Democrat all the way through college and law school, she fell off her chair. No, she didn't really. But she, she, I, I thought she might. But I, and honestly, I think there are a lot of people out there, women especially, tend to be drawn to the party that's saying, we care, we want to make things fair, we have compassion. And, and so we tend to kind of go along with that. In fact, I follow... Uh, data, the statistics about the women's vote, and we still have the majority of women in this country tend to vote on the left. And they do it because I've read, I mean, mountains of studies. They do it out of a sense of compassion, thinking that somehow big government will make life fair, which is never the case. It's never the outcome. Or somehow that uh, the big government can stand up for the little guy or correct, uh, correct you know, racial or other injustices. Government can't do that. And when you finally realize that, all the big government can do is take away your freedom. You start to wake up and recognize you can't have that. So back to So we have in studio Kit Whitehill. She's the president of the Texas Federation of Republican Women. And every state has something like this. And, and it is essentially the, the, the mothership of the Republican women's clubs around the state. And I want you to meet her. She's just the nicest person, but she's also an incredible activist speaking up for and going around the state, encouraging Republican women's clubs uh, to be involved, to be active, and to be part of the solution to saving America. So welcome to the show, Kit Whitehill. Hi there. Thank you, Debbie. I'm thrilled to be here, and thank you for everything you do that you've oh. been doing for so long. You're so welcome. You know, um, I like to talk. That's yes. one thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, don't we all? Yeah. So I want to start with, because I, you know, I had never belonged to a Republican women's club mm -hmm. until we came to Texas. Mm -hmm. And literally, I'll tell you, we literally moved here from Washington, D.C. Okay. We uh, bought a house and we had a decorator come over and she's organizing all the books in our living room bookshelf. And she said, kind of looks like you guys are conservative. Is that right? And I said, yes. And she said, let's find a Republican Women's Club to join. That's the only reason I don't know how I would have found it, except for she said that. Right. And we joined a club. So let me start with, have you been, okay, this is like confession time. Have you been yes. a Republican your whole life? Yes, I have. I remember, well, this will tell you how old I am. <laughs> I remember in college, standing out in line outside to vote in the uh, election between um, Ford and Carter. That was my Ford. first time to vote. So excited. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out. Yeah. <laughs> but you remember. That's amazing. I do See? remember that. I yeah. So, okay. And I love that the story that you just told about the woman who, you know, she saw your stuff and she said, let's get you involved. And I, Debbie, I remember meeting you at your club 
Uh oh, um, careful! I'm not gonna say when. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say which club or when. But I remember meeting you, and I thought, oh, that woman, she is awesome. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. You know, I have to say, I've always been passionate about America, mm-hmm. and I want America mm-hmm. to be the beacon of liberty it's right. supposed to be, the right. extraordinary country it's supposed to be. And there's really only one party that still holds on to that vision Absolutely. of America, still believes in it at all. So. Your whole life is Republican, but this, what you do now, is pretty much like a job, isn't it? This Texas, I mean, president of the Federation over yes. all the clubs, right? Yes, it definitely is like a job, except we don't get paid. <laughs> we are all volunteers, but um, I work, I work many, many hours, you know, every week. But I love it, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity to make a difference and to try to help get more women involved and trained and give them the empowerment to be more active. So how many Republican women's clubs, I, I'm, I really don't know the answer, how many That's Republican okay. women's clubs do we have in Texas? Yeah, most people don't know. Um, we have 161 clubs. Wow. And we have, last count, we have 11,355 members. And you are right, there's the Texas Federation, and then there's also a National Federation of Republican Women that is the true mothership. We're kind of like, you know, under that one. Okay. Well, <laughs> in Texas, you're above it. We okay. are the mothership for Texas, yes. So the National Federation, and then yes. every state has their own federation, and then clubs beneath that. So, you know, I have to say, I um, some people would say, well, I'm not really a joiner. I don't need a club. Right. I right. already know what I think. So what is the reason to join a club? Oh, goodness. So many. Um, you know, when you become part of an organization of over 11,000 women, you have a stronger voice. And um, the training and the resources and the opportunities that TFRW provides are endless. And I really was not involved in politics until when my husband ran for office. And I meant to say that about him. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. She has and, a great husband, too. <laughs> and um, I started going around representing him. It was a six-county race, so I had to go represent him at so many uh, meetings. I didn't know about Republican women's clubs, but when I saw what Republican women were doing and the difference they were making and how they were working for candidates, but also having fun and building relationships. I, I told Bill, we were driving back from a meeting. I said, we need a Republican women's club in our town. And he said, do it. Work yourself <laughs> out. So you, did, so you, be, you started a club? We did. We did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I should mention, mention for our listeners, uh, Kit's husband is a, a lawyer and served on uh, Texas appellate court. And in Texas, we elect our judges. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, I practiced law in California. And when we first came here, I could not believe you elect judges here. Mm-hmm. Now I love that. But in California, we didn't do that. But anyway, back to this. So you yes. worked in his campaign. Yes. And that's how you started to see clubs. And, you yes. know, I mean, I, I really do. I think... Because people feel concerned about America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People feel like, well, you know, there's all sorts of clubs to join and meetings to go to. Right. You want to pick something that makes a difference, right. that, that's doing something. So if you, for example, join a club and you just, you know, listen to a speaker and go home and right. fret some more at dinner. But, like, what are the kinds of things Republican Women's clubs do? Like, what are the activities that make it worthwhile? So many. And, you know, each club is different. And we have clubs from, like, 10 members to over 400. So every club is different and some focus on different things. But um, I'll tell you a couple of things uh, the Federation has been involved in uh, through the Texas Republican Voter Engagement Pack. We have, and we've had volunteers all over the state in our clubs calling. We've registered over 148,000 new Republican voters. And um, that's, a, that's huge. Yeah. And yeah. also we, we are having quite a few, we're calling them Red Heel Brigades. 
and it's block walks in several different locations where we have some priority races where the candidates need some extra help. But um, I mean, really in each club, and, and the, some clubs have more emphasis on community activities than others, which I think is so important because when a club is involved in that, it, it gets the name out, Republican Women Out, and people say, hey, you know, those Republican women are doing some good things. Maybe I'll go check them out. Yeah. But, I, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But TFRW provides a lot of training. That's really one of the most important things for us is to train, educate, and empower our members. And um, every other year, coming up this next February, we do legislative day training to help you know how to navigate when the legislature's in session, how to follow a bill, how to talk to your legislator, things like how to testify. And we then, um, in the odd num even number of years, we have leadership day at the beginning of the year. And this past one, we had about 350 women come and we, and it's for any members and it's just training on so many things, you know, how to talk in front of other people, just, and how to, how to do your role as an officer in your club, but so many different trainings. I do love the training thing, especially for people who are passionate but never mm -hmm. been involved before. It can feel you, you kind of watch politics. Right. You watch uh, here in Texas, you watch Austin or you watch Washington and you and, and it just seems like these people are doing things I don't like or I wish I could have input and you don't know there's a way. Right. And so right. this helps you. I mean, especially in Texas, you can get to Austin from anywhere and get in there on a day and, and make appointments and, mm -hmm. and say, I want mm -hmm. to discuss my views on some bills, some issue. And it, it makes you feel like it's, well, I mean, I was do this thing about America. We are the sovereign in America. That's yes. supposed to be the idea. We, the people. So you, if you just defer to the legislators in Austin or, mm -hmm. or, your, or Washington, you're kind of abandoning your job. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, many women have come to meetings and they said, I just, I'm fed up. I'm tired of this. And I just heard about you and I want to get involved. And, you know, when you've got a group uh, to support you and you're not alone, it's so much easier. If you're out there, like you said, all by yourself, where do you begin? Yeah. You know? And actually meeting candidates. The other way is meeting candidates. Yes. I remember yes. when we, my friend Lisa and I joined our, the club I mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, all these candidates, I realized that yes. that really is our state rep at this point. Because I've been involved for so long, it, 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 you know, you say, well, yeah, yeah, I know him. But really, for people who aren't involved, you meet your state rep. You might meet right. your, your state senator, your U.S. senator. You, I mean, you meet all these people, and you actually have, if they make presentations, you have a chance to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're engaged. Absolutely. I, I love that. Absolutely. Lots of candidates coming. I mean, I never, I couldn't imagine talking to a candidate before I got involved. And also, so much education on policies and issues throughout each club. Okay. Well, I noticed you had, by the way, your website is, I'm sorry, is it tfrw.org? Yes. Okay. tfrw.org, Texas Federation of Republican Women, tfrw.org. You have a note from yourself, uh, from you, October's uh, pre president's pen, I think it's called. Anyway, you talk about the idea of the elections, a choice between standing up boldly for common mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. and the country we love that was founded on biblical and Christian principles or acting like sheep and allowing the Democrat socialists, oh, I love mm -hmm. you call them that, they are socialists, uh, <laughs> to be successful in their radical remaking of America. So you just talk about it a little bit, like, mm -hmm. like what's the difference with how we on the conservative side see America versus what they are trying to do? <laughs> well, and you only have one minute. No, I'm <laughs> We are, we are realistic. Their view of America, I, 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 I don't understand it. I don't understand. They, they lie about everything. And they, you and I were talking a minute ago, and they, they'll talk about all the good things they're doing, but they're talking about what Republicans are doing. And um, I, 
like you said earlier, that they will vote lockstep, the Democrats will vote lockstep in, uh, with their party, and that's kind of a sheep mentality, you know, and, and the voters just believe everything that they have to say, whereas Republicans, we think independently. And we are we stand for rugged individualism. Yeah, it's one of and our trademarks. That's right. That's individuality right. Individuality, and, and that's a great thing. To individuals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great thing. Sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we earlier we played a clip. I think you were, uh, yeah, you were um, listening to it. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard's yes. clip about yes. why she's leaving the Democrat Party. I thought she made so many great points, and and then later in the show, I, will, I was telling you before we started, I'm going to play a little clip. It was a debate between the Ohio Senate candidates, mm -hmm. J.D. Vance versus whatever his name is, uh, Brian, I think it is, on the Democrat side. I've noticed this, and maybe you have too. The Republican will say, here's why I support a secure border. Yes. It's X, Y, and Z, because fentanyl is dangerous, because we need whatever the arguments are. And the, the arguments of the left always seem like they're just name-calling or slogan-slinging. Yes. Yes. Do you notice that in your... Yes, absolutely. And um, I noticed it in the governor debate. You know, um, oh, I didn't even see that debate. Tell oh, about that. you didn't. Uh, I thought Governor Abbott was professional. He was strong, and um, Beto just—he would—he didn't answer any questions. His answers were always—he would go back to say, "Well, Abbott's done this. Abbott hasn't done that," and he's blaming Abbott. And Abbott would come back and say, "Well, that's not true. Here's the facts." And I've seen that in a couple of, like the Blake Masters debate. Same yep. thing. They are—they're going back to him to say no. That's not right. And then they, the Democrats don't have a defense, you know, because yeah, they, they, they actually anything. don't want to defend their policies. No, um, no. I actually thought you mentioned, too, uh, this is a really good letter you wrote, your October oh, president's you. pen. Thank yeah, you. really good. Another one. Do you want parents to be labeled domestic terrorists mm -hmm. and our children subjected to indoctrination? Well, I know basically what you're talking about. Do you want to quick elaborate on what that what you're talking about there? <laughs> well, how many times have we heard about school boards where you know, the parents are being told they can't speak up and they don't have any, any say in their children's education. Well, that's wrong. That is so wrong. And I'm so thankful people are standing up. And the indoctrination, well, you know, the CRT, the library books, the textbooks, thankfully. The grooming in kindergarten. The grooming, yeah. yes. Um, thankfully, with COVID, that was one of the good things about COVID, parents became more aware of what was really going on you know, in their children's classrooms. And they said, wait a minute, this is not, this is not what I want for my child. Yep. So, you know, um, I, I do love that too. I talk about all mm -hmm. the time. I love grassroots. I love parents getting mm -hmm. involved more. And I love that what they, when they go to school board meetings or county commissioner court meetings, it really is kind of a window on how government works. Mm -hmm. Even at the, you know, school boards are a form of government working. We right. elect the school boards right. and they're doing things. And it's just, there's a mentality that has just seeped into the left, which is, we're not really here to represent you. We're here mm -hmm. to govern or mm -hmm. control you, and mm -hmm. we're not that interested in your opinions. Yeah. So even when parents do show up and say, I want to get CRT out of the school, I don't, these books are pornographic and they shouldn't mm -hmm. be in the you know, K through 12 library, they shouldn't be in the elementary school library. It isn't just, they don't usually meet an intelligent response, like, oh, these are great books, or no, we, they're, they're just, is denial, it right. is shutting them down, it's mockery, so, I mean, I, I do your clubs, I assume, they encourage that kind of activism. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, and, you know, going back to that, your comments, that's part of the sheet mentality. How can people think these things are good? I don't understand that, and if, I would think if they're thinking for themselves, they would think, wait, we, is this really a good idea to have all this for in our children's schools? Yes. But um, they're just like going along and 
this is what's good and it's I just don't I don't understand how people can feel that that's a good thing yeah well actually it's interesting you know you think about the school board thing the conservatives are the ones showing up and and trying to talk mm -hmm. about grooming and CRT mm -hmm. and the LGBTQ agenda and actually the attack on America's history and the you know oh, recharacterizing yes. America's yes. history the conservatives are showing up and you don't really see that many parents mm -hmm. at the school board meetings defending what's in no. I mean on the no. left so it's, it's kind of like the school boards got there some other avenue. It wasn't like parents just saying, please do this in the schools. They said, well, okay. They just kind of were zooming along, developing their agenda and their approaches uh, without much input from parents. Right. And there aren't that, uh, to your point, I think you're exactly right. There aren't that many parents who even want this in the schools. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you have, you have a bunch of other things in here. Um, I, this is a funny studio. I can't see the clock. Oh, no, I can. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You know, I'm this. My studio at home is. We're doing this show from home usually uh, these days, Monday through Wednesday, and I can see the watch. And here, at my big studio on Thursday, but here we're at, we have a bunch of. Anyway, sorry, I couldn't see the watch <laughs> clock very well. Okay, so one other thing, uh, the yes. big thing in Texas, and I assume Republicans take a strong stand on this, is the enforcement of the border. I mean, does mm. it? And, and I assume mm. I don't know if Republican women's clubs do things about that, but the you at least hear from speakers about how bad it is yes. because if you listen to Vice President Kamala Harris, mm. she recently said the border's secure. Mm. I mean, you have any thoughts on that one? How much that matters? <laughs> how <laughs> it much does it matter? <laughs> how much does that matter? I mean, it's it's huge. And Kamala Harris, you know, we know that she doesn't know what she's talking about. But we have gone, I and some of our members have gone down to the border. We have uh, several clubs in the San Antonio area that, um, and other areas too in Texas that are getting donations for our border patrol agents who are getting no support, you know, from the government. Oh, that's so nice. Yes, yes. And it makes such a difference in uh, showing them appreciation for everything we're doing. And and we have a club in Kinney County, in Brackettville, which is right there on the border. I'm sorry, what county? Kinney County. Okay. And right there on the border. And um, I went down there, and the things these families have to deal with day in and day out, it's unbelievable. It, it's unbelievable. And... They can't sit out in their backyards at night because, you know, there's... Dangerous border yes, crossers. Yes, they're walking through their property. And, it, I mean, it's so hard to fathom if you... And, and we only saw a little bitty bit, you know. Um, it, but it's so hard to fathom what they have to deal with if you don't really talk to somebody who's down there and experiencing it. Yeah. And for them to say, oh, my goodness, we have a crisis in New York City because we have <laughs> however many, <laughs> you know, illegal aliens... And not yeah. think what's happening here is a problem. It's another mind-boggling thing to me. It is mind-boggling. It's actually, you know, at first I have to say when Governor Abbott had that idea, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that sounds kind of gimmicky, right. you know. Right. Make the government do their job. But actually it's been tremendous. It has. It, it you, has. A bunch of northeastern liberals mm -hmm. have had to realize, oh, this is what you're complaining about. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's safety. It is right. a drain on the social system that, you know, social welfare system mm -hmm. is drained on the housing so it's drained on everything and the federal government pretty much has abandoned uh, these right. people abandoned right. the whole situation right. okay so kit whitehill you're president of tfrw yep. what if someone listening is in i don't know someplace really rural in texas with no republican women's club around what do they do can they oh. create one? Oh yes they can and we are there to help people create clubs so if you're interested in finding out more you can go to the website tfrw.org and on there, there's links where you can say, find a club. And you can, oh. and you can click on that, and you can put in your Senate district. 
and then it'll show you all the clubs in your area. What if you don't know your Senate district? Well, I know. That's a good question because <laughs> not everybody does. <laughs> so you can go to your, I mean, I go to the election department in, say, Dallas County, you know, and I put in my address, and then it tells me all my, my Senate district, my House okay. of Representatives. Which is a number. Like, I used to be yes. SD16. I'm serious. Yes. I don't even know. See, I don't know my Senate district here. We move up to Collin County. i got to find that out. Anyway, <laughs> so you go online to Elections Department yes, to yes, find. Yes, and you can find out that information. Or you can also send an email to TFRW at TFRW.org and say, hey, I'm interested in getting involved. Um, what do I need to do? You know, and then we can reach out and contact you. So people could, I mean, people could decide, um, whatever reasons they've had enough of the Democrat yes. policies, they can create in their own club. Mm -hmm. And like, how many people does it take to be a club? So to start a new club, you have to have a minimum of 10 women to start the club. And we are state PACs, political action committees. So, you know, there's a lot of little regulations and things you have, you do have to open up a bank account and follow some laws, but we have all the information handy and we have membership chair who's available to help. And we have what we call district directors and deputy presidents. It's the state's broken out into different regions. Those women are there to help and support. And, you know, supporting our members is one of the things that's very important to us, in addition with training. Oh, yeah. I have to say, you know, it's, a, it's the most amazing thing. I think America, you know, it's an extraordinary place, an extraordinary nation, mm -hmm. and that we are supposed to be the sovereign. And we're, But, you know, the, the moving from believing in loving America and loving the Constitution, the Declaration, to mm -hmm. how do I get active, you got to have a path yes. or a connection somehow. So yes. uh, that's how, I mean, as I've told you, this Republican women's clubs I joined we moved here in the year 2000 mm -hmm. um, from Washington, D.C., was really, um, I mean, it was just an instant set of friends, first of all. Right. And, 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 and even, I mean, it isn't like they're monolithic. I mean, you have people who, you know, they might not be on the same page in every oh, issue. Right. Yeah, right. But, they're, but they're thinkers, they're activists, mm -hmm. they care, they and care. they want to learn. Right. It's just a very positive attitude. Absolutely. You know, like I said, with over 11,000 women, we have women all across the spectrum, you know, the Republican Party, and that's a good thing. You know, again, our goal is to educate women. We don't tell them what they need to believe or what they need to vote for, things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in this time, I mean, I was so struck by Tulsi Gabbard, mm -hmm. uh, her little uh, spiel this morning, because she's very prominent and mm -hmm. she's actually gotten, um, I know she's a, a keynote speaker or something at a big women's event coming up in Washington that's kind of on the conservative side. Really? I think, in fact, I think it's. It's tomorrow. Anyway, oh. and I wonder if that now that I think about this little announcement, maybe it was time to run that. But in any case. She may be good for us to try to reach out to for our convention next year. Oh, <laughs> Have come yeah. and speak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because she's not one to be told what to think. But right. she's right. Well, she presented everything the left is doing. Oh, it was so good. It was so good and really kind of undeniable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Okay, so, so. Kit Whitehill, uh, I really, I know you're very busy. I know you haven't, because you go out all to the state and try to visit most of the clubs? Or? I do. Um, last week, I'll just close with this, because this was very exciting, um, our political activities vice president, Corinne Miklosh, and myself, we were down in the Rio Grande Valley in McAllen, and we, uh, it's important to us to try to work with all conservative groups. You know, we all need to be united, yeah. even though we're all structured a little different. But along with the RNC, Republican National Committee, they were doing a women's walkathon in McAllen, San Antonio, and Laredo this past weekend. And so Corinne and I were in McAllen helping with that one and got to attend a prayer breakfast with Myra Flores, Monica De La Cruz, and Cassie 
Garcia. Who are, who are these people are? Yes, these are incredible. They call them the triple threat. Yeah. They are incredible young women um, who are, of course, Hispanics, but they are all running for Congress. As Republicans. Yes, as Republicans. Hispanic Republican women yes. running for Congress. Oh, yes. God bless them. And yeah. we also did some training down on in the border area earlier, and we found out that many of these border cities, they've, either they've never had a Republican primary or it's been um, many, many, many years since they yeah. did. And it's it's just incredible. But anyway, so prayer breakfast, walkathon, and uh, between those three cities this past weekend, over 9,000 doors were knocked. And I know that wasn't just all TFRW women, but we had a lot of volunteers there. And uh, just working together, we can make such a big difference. That's a great point to close with. I want to say uh, two of the quick things. One is, for our listeners, if you don't know, men can come to, to a public women's club. My husband's come. I mean, he usually asks, how many guys are coming? But, you know, <laughs> if it's a big event, men can come to events. And, and they do, and they support uh, Republican women. And also, bring in the message of, you know, what the Republican Party stands for, which to me right. is it's just the idea of America. Right. It is the idea of freedom, right. the Constitution, the Declaration. Mm-hmm. That's what the Republican mm-hmm. Party is at its core. Bringing right. that to people especially in the in majority Hispanic areas mm-hmm. or other areas where maybe all they've heard about the Republicans is what the left-wing media That's right. says. That's not true. So they're saying, wow, she right. seems like a really nice person, and she's Republican. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you try, you kind of wake people up to realize, I've been lied to about right. the Republican right. Party. I mean, so much of it is about relationships. And now, I don't remember this percentage, but a large percentage of the voters are independent voters. And yeah. we, being positive and focusing on issues... We need to get those voters over to vote Republican. And just like Chelsea, sorry, brain freeze. Tulsi. Tulsi, yep. thank you. Just like her leaving the Democrat Party, there's a lot of people leaving the Democrat Party, and we need to bring those people over also to vote Republican. So that's that's very important to us, and we feel like focusing on issues and being positive. Like you said, well, she seems okay. You know, they will <laughs> yeah. consider it. She's not scary. Yeah. <laughs> they will consider it. But back to the men. Yes, we value our men members. Uh, they can be associate members, so they don't vote. But we value their support and their input and just we appreciate them very much. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, Kit Whitehill, I know you're busy. Thank you for coming oh, and joining Debbie, me today. Thank you so much. This was great. And um, all of you out there that aren't a member, check out TFRW.org. TFRW.org. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, my friends, I'm going to two of the quick stories today. Uh, one, um, I called it Election 2022 is a Battle for America. And I mentioned in a moment ago, we were talking about this. Um, it was a Republican, um, not a Republican, it was a debate among, between the two Senate candidates um, in the state of Ohio. And um, why I wanted to share this is, I, as I mentioned before, I am not, I mean, I will on this show, I will have equal opportunity critic. I'm happy to get after, uh, I, I'm all about saving America, saving Texas, saving the Bill of Rights, saving the, the concept of America based on the declaration, the idea that we all have you know, God-given rights to so life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, we're all equal, and that's what made America unique, extraordinary, great. Those are, that's what I stand for. But, and as I say, there's only one political home in America at this time, if you believe in those things, because there's only one party that even comes close to standing for those things, and the other guys just don't. The, the left has been overtaken, the Democrat Party has been overtaken by Marxism, and that is the path they're on, that's how they're marching, is where they're going. So your you know, question for yourself just is, do I really like what Biden's doing to America or not? So part of what happened, there was a little uh, exchange in this um, 
Let's see which my little piece of paper here. A little exchange in this debate that was between the two Senate candidates running for uh, U.S. Senate in the state of Ohio. Um, and it was J.D. Vance, who is the Republican. Um, and then he, I want to just play, I sent to Emilio, the wonderful producer. I sent him a little clip. I want you to hear uh, how J.D. Vance, he really, I, I would say he really took this guy down. It was wonderful, you know, metaphorically speaking. Let's play that clip. Who did not vote for him? Well, I didn't say that he was intentionally killing people. What I said, Colleen, is that his rhetoric on how he views people who didn't vote for him is totally beyond the pale and totally unacceptable. And by the way, Tim Ryan, who runs all these TV commercials saying that he wants to appeal to Trump voters, wants to appeal to Republicans, also says that he wants to <clears throat> kill and confront what is it, the MAGA movement, Tim? That's not exactly the rhetoric of a unifier. What I do think is that the end result of Joe Biden's policies and the end result of his rhetoric is that one, we hate each other a lot more than we did two years ago. That's a significant failure of leadership. And yes, the fentanyl crisis is way worse than it was two years ago. Why is it way worse? Because Tim Ryan and Joe Biden have conspired together to reject every border wall funding proposal, to reject every proposal to cut off the amnesty, to reject every proposal that would actually secure our border and stop Thanks, the Mr. flow Vance. of these illegal drugs. Thanks, Mr. Okay, the reason I wanted to play that is, I mean, we could go on the next thing, but I don't want to give that Democrat airtime. But I want to just make the point. What J.D. Vance is doing, and when he's, he's talking substance, he's saying, here's why I am very critical of President Biden and his administration, is because we have a fentanyl crisis. We have, I mean, the number of deaths and just tragic, horrible, sob-level deaths of young people. These aren't like kids who've been uh, lost to drugs for years. We're talking about the... the um, danger of fentanyl that comes across the border, uh, mostly create, mostly made in China, coming across America's southern border, far more potent, far more lethal than anything historically, and it's resulting in an astonishing number of just heartbreaking, one kid took one pill for the first time ever and, and dies, those kind of things happening. And when you are the president and you are in charge of border policy, and as I've been harping on this show for I don't know how long. The border is, there is no border. In fact, I recently spoke with a uh, guy who's running for Congress, and he's going to win. He's in a safe district. He was saying he went down to the border, and he said, you know, it's not even really fair to say anymore that we, we have an unenforced border. We literally have no border. There are large segments, no border. We're just literally, people are walking across the river, walking in. We don't have the staffing, the manpower, the wall. We can't stop them, and we don't try. So now back to what this little conversation was with uh, J this uh, debate between J.D. Vance and Tim, I think it's Tim Ryan. Uh, they were, this is, Tim Ryan doesn't have any answer for that, any answer. There's no one defending almost anything that Biden is doing to this country. There's no rational defense. It's always a, how could you say that about the president? That's a disrespectful way to speak. How can you say he doesn't care? They don't have an answer, so they resort to mocking and ridicule, and they sound foolish. So I'm going to tell you, folks, Tulsi Gabbard's on to something. The left is letting, the left is destroying America, and the Democrat voters in this country are letting them do that. So I truly believe if we have fair elections, which is a big if, but if we have fair elections this fall, we're going to see a Republican, not just a mild wave, it's going to be a landslide because America's trying to say we hate everything the Biden administration is doing. So that was one little example. And I said about, you know, I called this segment about, you know, what's on the agenda. It's, uh, I think I called it, 
Yeah, election 22 is a battle for America. It's really a battle for the, the uh, MAGA agenda. And by that, I mean, whether you love or hate Donald Trump, do or don't like his tweets, want him to run or don't want him to run, what Donald Trump did in his candidacy, in his campaign, in his presidency, was reasserted for the American people the noble, great, extraordinary idea that we, the American people, should defend our country should defend not just physically our border, which of course we should defend, we should defend the ideas of America. He, he, he Donald Trump, helped awaken people to see what they just, they had been watching what's happening in Washington and thinking, something's really wrong here. He helped people see that the left has become anti-American. Today's Democrat Party is Marxist and they are anti-American. They do not wish to preserve America as founded. They do not wish to preserve America as free, America with a strong military. Anything that defends America and keeps it safe, they are against. So this is what I'm telling you when I say it's a MAGA agenda. It is just people wanting America restored. That's what we are watching. They want to see America restored. They do not want anything the Biden team is doing. So that was one little race. There's also kind of a great thing happening um, in... Um, in Alaska, I had that information here. Um, yeah, in Alaska, there is a candidate. You know, Alaska has the kind of jungle primary things, which is unfortunate. But in any case, right now, they have a Senate election coming up. It's between Lisa Murkowski, who's been in the Senate since the Civil War. Okay, not really. She's been in the Senate, I think, since 2002. Uh, and she is the Republican incumbent. And she's being challenged by a woman uh, who is, was backed by Trump. Um, has been endorsed by Trump. Uh, her last name is uh, Shabaka. I'm not sure. I'm, it's Kelly Shabaka. But uh, Trump has endorsed her. And let me just as a, and she's ahead in the poll. She's headed to win in Alaska, win the Senate seat. And I'll tell you why I think that's so important. Lisa Murkowski, very much in the ilk of John McCain, went to Washington not to stand up for principles, not to stand up for the, the Republican Party values. She seems to me to relish the idea of being an absolutely unpredictable maverick. Unpredictable, you know, people have to wait. Well, I know the Republicans are on for this. You know, we actually want to secure the border. We think we should have a border wall, but I don't know what she's going to say. Loves being the, the person who has to be, you know, uh, approached and convinced and cajoled and co complimented and treated as though she's so special and important because she won't vote for basic Republican ideas, strong ideas like a secure border. So Lisa Murkowski, uh, she survived a near um, loss of her seat, I think that's six years ago now. Uh, that's an interesting detail, but she's now in the ballot, appears to go down. I'm just saying it's a measure. It's a measure of the strength in America of the American people, of their love of the MAGA agenda. Because Trump gets behind a Republican who is going, appears, going to defeat Lisa Murkowski uh, by the name of Kelly Chewbacca. And among the reasons that uh, Murkowski's in trouble, she's underwater in her own state, Alaska, is because she voted for uh, one of Trump's impeachments. She voted to impeach Trump. I would say it's a perfect example, and I'll get off this case, off her case, but it's a perfect example of what I mean about a, a candidate or elected official who just, in my expression, does not know what time it is in America. She does not understand what time it is in America. She doesn't, Lisa Murkowski does not understand what's happening to our country. She does not see the left as the Marxist takedown of America. She is right in front of her eyes and she can't see it. She couldn't figure out. She didn't have the discernment or the intelligence to figure out that when the left went after Trump, 
for the impeachment, the both ridiculous impeachment efforts. It was simply an attack on Trump's restoration of the love of America. She's too drawn into being the maverick who must be courted and cajoled and convinced, loves that role, love voting to impeach Trump over nothing. Both impeachments were over nothing valid. But this is a kind of thing we need. We need discerning candidates. We need candidates who understand, not candidates who are sycophants to anyone, even not candidates who are sycophant to Donald Trump. But we do need candidates who recognize what time it is in America, what the left is doing, and they will stand up and fight for this country and fight to defend America and the, the incredible, uh, you know, assault we are under our, from, from the inside. The, you know, we, they talk about America never being defeated from foreign powers. If any way, it'll be defeated. Uh, this was Lincoln. It'll be defeated internally. We're watching that happen. We're living in the most amazing historic era in America's history. We're watching America be taken down from the inside, from the inside by the left. That is what is happening. And Murkowski doesn't has doesn't have any idea what she's voting for, any idea what's going on. And so she's hopefully going to be booted. One other thing, there was some polling done, and I know I'm always careful to warn you that polls can be manipulated in many, many ways. Depends how the question is asked, depends how, you know, who the candidate involved is, it depends on many, many issues, but there's some polling. I put this up on our website too, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. You can see this uh, yourself, um, this polling. It's a, an article called, A 21-Point Lead May Help Republicans. Let me just tell you what this polling is involved with, because all this time right now, we're, we're coming up on the November, I think it's the 8th of the elections this year, coming up on the November elections, uh, and that will decide the majority of the, in the Congress. It will decide majorities in many state legislatures, but it'll decide the majority in the U.S. House, because every single House seats up every two years. It'll decide the majority in the U.S. Senate, where the Democrats have a slim, slim majority, um, or really they because they have the pro-tem vote. But in any case... There has been talk, and I say it in the show often, America cannot wait. They cannot wait to vote out the Democrats and wait to get rid of Biden in two more years. They are outraged by what Biden is doing to our country. And so early on, a lot of talk, oh, yeah, red wave, Republicans are going to sweep the whole thing. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, pretty soon they're saying, well, you know. Um, it looks like the Democrats are making a comeback. May not be such a big sweep after all. We're not really sure. It may be that you know that some polling is showing maybe people like what's happening, and the Democrats may actually hold on to the House and Senate. Well, great, great polling data analyzed by this guy Don Serber. He writes great columns, by the way. Don Serber writes great columns, and um, part of what he was writing about uh, is some polling done and some predictions made by this 538 website. Uh, which actually continually polls are people trending toward Republican, trending Democrat. And the short story to tell you uh, that is the um, uh, two, two kickers from the, this really amazing polling. Um, one is that um, in these districts where they are considered swing districts or somewhat competitive, I mean, some districts, congressional districts, are so solidly Republican or solidly Democrat that, you know, whoever is the candidate in that party is going to win. But many are considered swing or at least competitive. So right now they have among the uh, in congressional districts that are rated at least somewhat competitive, neither solid Republican or solid Democrat, registered voters favor Republican candidates by a wide 55 to 34 percent. 
So in these districts where they could go either way, the voters are leaning toward, heavily leaning toward the Republicans. 55 to 34, uh, that's almost as, as strong as the divide is in solid GOP districts. Uh, another, I mean, there's just great data. You ought to read it in here. Point is, the country is wanting very much to rid itself of everything the Biden administration is doing. They can't wait. Okay, one last quick segment I want to do today, um, and that is, uh, I called it Relentless Diligence on Election Fraud. Relentless Diligence on Election Fraud. And I just want to point out that I talk all the time on the show about how the leftist mindset is always and forever about the idea that they are entitled to rule you. Democrats run not to represent you, not to stand for the principles of the Constitution or the principles of the Declaration or the principles of America. Democrats run to get power to control you and take away your freedom. That is what they want and how they roll. And so you always have, so there's a tendency among uh, when Democrats get power, they really want to hold on to it. And many of them, they just think they're entitled to power. They're entitled to rule America. So there are all sorts of ways in which Democrat policies end up uh, impacting the, the election process. You saw when Biden took majority, took the oath. When he didn't win. When Biden became president of the United States in January of uh, 21, last year, uh, immediately the Democrat majority moved to try to get the most outrageous, outrageous set of uh, peace legislation through Congress, which is essentially to give them absolute federal control over the entire election process to not only authorize and legitimize procedures and tactics that are that are known to be the tactics you use when you're stealing elections, when you're cheating. This is what the Democrats tried to not only legitimize, they actually tried to mandate them. Even they couldn't get this done. It was so outrageous, but that was their goal. So the Democrats always and forever angling to take control and to and, and any means necessary to stay in power. So we had some great results for people on the, on the conservative side who want to see actual representative government in this constitutional republic. So we had the Delaware Supreme Court recently struck down uh, a law in Delaware in which they had passed a law saying that there could be no excuse mail-in voting, meaning in many states, like in Texas, you have to have a reason you want a mail-in ballot. Because you are elderly, because you are uh, you know, ill, you are disabled, you have some reason you cannot vote in person. You have to have a reason to get a mail-in ballot. Delaware passed a law saying anyone can have a mail-in ballot. Mail-in ballots, well known to be a Democrat tactic to cheat. If you didn't see 2,000 mules, Dinesh D'Souza's film, you need to see it to understand the depth of cheating possible via mail-in ballots. So the Delaware Supreme Court struck that down, uh, struck down no excuse mail-in voting, and struck down their provision related to same-day registration. And they, the ruling was based on saying those were unconstitutional within the Delaware Constitution. Under their unconstitutional in the state of Delaware, this only applies in Delaware, but unconstitutional in Delaware. I only want to make the point that the people who passed the law in Delaware who tried this, the people in the legislature who passed this no excuse mail-in voting, who passed this uh, same-day registration, they're actually legislators. They're actually members of the legislature who presumably know what is in the Delaware Constitution 
or have a staffer who can tell them, hey, uh, Mr. or Ms. You know, representative, you really can't do that because that's not constitutional in Delaware. They don't care. They were going to do it, except for the court stepped in. Uh, we also had an, a story recently, Colorado mistakenly, allegedly, mistakenly sent out 30,000 postcards to non-citizens urging them to register to vote. True story, not being denied, the Colorado Secretary of State, they sent out 30,000 postcards to non-citizens who are not supposed to vote in Colorado or anywhere else, uh, urging them to register to vote. And of course, when they were caught, they said, oh, that was just a mistake. You know, we had, with all these registries at the state level, we just got confused. I mean, first of all, I don't even think that tax dollars, our tax dollars in, or their tax dollars in Colorado ought to be spent sending out cars to people who don't care enough to register to vote themselves. If they don't care enough, then they shouldn't be pestered to register. This is the same kind of tactic Biden had, has, is doing right now in Washington, using your federal tax dollars to force every single agency in Washington, D.C., every single one of them, to come up with their own tactics Agencies that have other jobs, other statutorily required obligations that they have to fulfill, they're supposed to be spending time because the Biden team is requiring them to do it, coming up with get ways to get more people to register to vote. Uh, there also was a uh, big story out, which I, I'm going to run out of time here. Yeah. Um, anyway, I want to make sure it's um, clear that you can read the stories I'm talking about on our website. Again, at americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. You can read those stories, these stories I'm talking to you about. But I want to just plant one seed to think about. So here we are, you know, we're weeks away from the uh, fall elections. We now have America, we have legislators in every state fully aware how mail-in balloting was used to cheat in 2020. If you, again, if you didn't see 2,000 mules, you must see it. And so we, we know that happened. We've known, we have known that there, the proof of electronic election fraud proven by what Tina Peters came up with in Colorado uh, and, and for the Dominion voting machines. So we have legislators, we have people around the country with the power to do something. And while some legislatures in America, especially the red state ones, pass some provisions to tighten up and try to fight against election fraud, nobody, not one state, including our great state of Texas, nobody passed any law trying to prevent electronic election fraud. And let me plant the seed. There's one point I want to make on this. So we talked last week about the company in Michigan, this Conic, K-O-N-N-E-C-H, Conic Election. Um, and that company creates software and, and sells it to election, to, and it's used in election machines around this country. So they have the software is used in election machines around this country. Catherine Engelbrecht and her uh, other partner, uh, Greg Phillips, who have brought out the whole mule story. They have they have been telling the story that they uncovered that Conic, that company, the software they have, actually is uh, contains data about election workers, their families, their home addresses, all sorts of personal information about election workers. I mean, I can't remember the number of them, but in the thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands, of election workers in America. And Greg Phillips brought to the FBI the fact that they had discovered that Connick's data, this data that's being stored about election workers, is being stored on servers in Wuhan, China. Every single company in China is required by federal law to give the Chinese Communist Party access to anything. It actually is a law in China. So 
We now know in America that election workers' data is within the access and control of the Chinese Communist Party. We know this. It's not like we're speculating or, you know, connecting dots that don't connect. We know this to be true. The FBI's response to Greg Phillips, instead of saying, my gosh, this is terrible, we'll look into this, their response was instead to say, after briefly looking into it, to accuse Greg Phillips of hacking. Maybe he committed a crime. How does he know that all that data about American election workers is sitting on a server in China? How could this be our own legislatures, our own legislatures in Congress, U.S. Congress, around the country, state legislatures, we know this fact now, that Chinese Communist Party has access to America's election data through this Connect company, and the, the CEO was finally arrested, even after the FBI uh, tried to cover up, even after the media was trying to say, oh, there's nothing to this, don't listen to Catherine Engelbrecht and Gregory Phillips, they're crazy. Actually, as it turned out, they were exactly right. Connick CEO got arrested. But what has happened? What is the reaction? What steps have been taken by election officials in America now that we know? What? What have they done? Beside arrest one guy who may get prosecuted, and he gets prosecuted, I hope he does. But you're, I'm getting the idea, they're not, we're not acting like we're a serious country, recognizing that our election workers' data, which is, I mean, I could expound as I did the other day, but all the danger of that, it's sitting in the servers in the number one enemy to America, the Chinese Communist Party, full access, and we apparently take no steps no reaction at all. I don't know. It's kind of like you think some elected officials don't really care, or maybe they already knew, but they don't care. It's an outrageous situation. Another reason to get to the polls this year, find out if you're registered. If you're not, get registered, get to the polls, vote out every Democrat in this country. No one who wants fair elections, no one who believes in the idea of America should be thinking about voting for anyone who would stand up and tolerate the Biden administration, the actions they're taking on a, on, you know, a million different arenas of policy and their dedication to engaging and encouraging states to engage in policies that are known to be election fraud. I mean, people, it's just, it's the most unbelievable situation. And how we are sitting around talking about whether it's unfair that we actually require voter ID when the simple reality is we, are, we should be talking about why haven't our legislatures taken action now that we know the CCP has access to America's elections and America's um, data about our own election workers. I could go on and on that, but unfortunately, this happens every week. I'm out of time for today. Uh, so as I do at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today talking about... Um, Tulsi Gabbard speaks for many women and Democrats. Tulsi Gabbard's withdrawal from the Democrat Party is good for America on many levels. Prominent women's rejection of leftism encourages and validates others who feel the same way. Her reasons are all about substance and not personality. She's talking about warmongering, open borders, hostility, hostility to faith and spirituality, racialization of all issues. She is highlighting the problem as an elitist cabal, which applies to the entire uniparty, to be clear. We could put plain Republicans in there to the entire uniparty. Timely message to add momentum to a red wave in November. 
be sure you are registered to vote in your state. And in your new address, if you move county to county, you have to re-register. Today is the last day to be sure in Texas. Uh, link up at our website, americacanwetalk.org, to every other state. Um, check the link at our website under show links. Election 2022 is a battle for America. Americans must understand November 8th as an existential for the survival of freedom in America. MAGA is really not about Trump. It's not about the GOP, but it's definitely about complete rejection of the Biden agenda. It's about defending America. J.D. Vance in Ohio delivered tremendous open border rebuke to Ryan and the Dems. Alaska seems on its way to removing Rhino, impeached Trump voter Lisa Murkowski, please. Murkowski has never discerned the anti-Trump forces as enemies of America. We need more discerning leaders. Competitive House races show a 55 to 34 leaning toward the GOP. Americans are aware they must get out and vote on Election Day and not early. If you can vote on Election Day, much, much better. And relentless diligence on election fraud. The Connick story is developing more and more. Connick CEO, the guy who's running the company that had the election data being held in Chinese servers, when he was arrested, he was arrested in L.A., he had left his cell phone behind when he was arrested on his way to the airport. How many people do that today? Nobody. Obviously, he knew he might be in trouble. But that's my surmise. Conic software in multiple U.S. jurisdictions definitely linked to China servers. Inescapable, irrefutable conclusion from Conic data already known. The CCP has penetrated the U.S. election system software prior to the 2020 elections. Every state legislature and every state legislator should be all over this. Every vestige of conic involvement in any state should be expunged immediately. Americans must ask, if legislators are not acting to remove conic, why? Cyber experts call conic's discovery 10 times more important than 2,000 mules, which itself was very important. Radical election integrity reform must occur, banish voting machines, or the USA may be lost. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America Can We Talk. Truth about America. Can you